Okay, let's see if we still remember how to do this. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing Joe Wright's latest period piece, Cyrano. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what unexpected indie musician do you want to see a musical from next? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and I feel like the expected answer is Taylor Swift now that she's a, a folk artist, right? Like an indie folk artist is <laughs> oh, what right. she is now? Yeah, she's indie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to go with Sufjan Stevens. I oh. feel like he's someone who for sure has been thinking about writing a musical and just hasn't put it out. So I'm. this is the call. Sufjan Stevens, we would like to see your musical, please. I mean, his music is already so character-based, it feels mm-hmm. like. I, that's such a great pick. I would watch that in a heartbeat. It's just call me by your name, but a musical is right. what it is. <laughs> right. Like it would be set at a, like a church camp. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's my dream now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. Well, um, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And someone that I would love to see a musical from is Hozier. Yeah. I think he can... One thing I like about Hozier is he definitely, like, lives within one genre, but I do think he has a lot of flexibility within that genre and can write songs that are joyful and sexy and also, like, really somber and dark. And um, I feel like those different shades would work really well in a musical. And I also would love more musicals that are, you know, kind of magical and earthy in the way that I think Hozier's music really fits. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I would definitely listen to that for sure. Yeah. I also just would like more Hozier exposure in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hozier exposure is definitely something that is the name of the musical. musical. Yeah. Um, well, we're talking about folk artists writing musicals because we're going to talk about Cyrano later, which all of the music was written by The National. But before we do that, I do want to know, Lucas, what you're feeling this week. Yes. Um, this week, I am feeling a 1973, uh, I'll call it con artist film, um, called The Sting, starring Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Now, this film is absolutely amazing. It's directed by George Roy Hill, who also directed um, Newman and Redford in uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. This is him teaming up with them again to do a con artist movie, which is one of my favorite genres of all time. So this movie was made for me, for sure. Um, it's it's actually a very beautiful like looking movie. It hits all of the things that you would see from a con man 
um, movie. And a lot of this movie is kind of the starting point for the Oceans movies. They draw a lot of inspiration from The Sting. I have seen this movie so many times. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen it a lot. And I showed it to my wife, Rebecca, this week. Um, and she had a blast with it. It's so fun. Um, Robert Redford and Paul Newman are both so good looking. And for them to be playing professional con artists just kind of ups the ante there. It's so fun to watch. Um, I would highly suggest it for anybody who has not seen The Sting. I have never seen The Sting. Well, and, there you go. <laughs> I it, It's one of those movies that as soon as you said it, I was kind of like, how have I not seen this? I love con artists movies so much. Like, I'm right there with you. It's one of my all-time favorite genres. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, the the Bell Court that my indie theater here in town they did a um a heist series and mm, yeah. con artist heist movies go hand in hand right like yeah, they're you yeah. know, lots um, of overlap right and so but i would love if we could like come up with our own con artist series and i would love to do that yeah yeah and maybe do it on the podcast or just watch them in real life and just enjoy them um i'm happy yep. to do either but this yes. is one that would definitely make the top of that list and yeah i i need to make time for it for sure i think this film i'm not going to say this invented this because i don't think it i'm positive it didn't but i think it perfected the idea of like a brotherhood of thieves mm. where like there's just there's a whole underground world and these people have a code and like all of that stuff is just like perfect in this movie and isn't there in a lot of older con movies before this movie yeah. so um it's good it's real good oh, I love that too. <laughs> so. that's like the reason i love the john wick movies and i know yeah. that that's like a different genre but no like, yeah but that, that kind element, of world building yeah, yeah it's just perfect totally so that's the sting. It's not available anywhere. You have to buy it, but it's worth it. <laughs> you do you buy it on? Uh, here's a question: Did you bu buy it like physical media or like on iTunes? Oh no, I don't buy physical media. Digital only for yeah, sure. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm over physical media. I don't have anything to play physical media these days. No, other than like vinyl records, that's my yeah. only physical media these days. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm really starting to invest in Apple movies, like. I, I purchased the 4K restoration of Wizard of Oz on Apple, and I'm really excited oh, nice. about like, having that in my library. They do a lot of really good 4K restorations. So for like older movies, that is for sure the place to go. Well, that's a great pick. I can't wait till I find time to watch that. Um, speaking about finding time, you may have noticed that we haven't had an episode in about a month or so. And the main <laughs> reason for that is that I have been moving out of one house and into another house and it has taken over my life. So we, I didn't have time for us to do any other episodes until now. And that also meant that I have not had time or energy to commit myself emotionally or again, time-wise to any kind of media. Um, there's, it's just been the thought of like, Investing in a movie or a drama TV show is so overwhelming the past like month and a half. So that means that the only media I've really been consuming is um, network sitcoms at lunch and at dinner. I, I, love, you know, <laughs> I love to watch something when I eat. Um, and so 
a, a 23 minute TV show. So not a, not a streaming sitcom because those yeah, can be yeah. into half hour territory. Mm-hmm. I need 22, 23 minute long chunks. (laughs) Uh, I need to condense. I just need to watch something while I eat some food. And so network sitcoms are the perfect vehicle for that. So I have been watching a lot of network sitcoms lately. And also I feel like this time of year, there's been a lot of new network sitcoms debuting. Um, So I'm testing out a bunch of stuff. And a lot of them are not great. Um, it, it, it's really hard to have a comedy, have all the right chemistry and all the right writing right at the start of a season. Um, a a lot of people point to Parks and Rec, how that first season does not sparkle in the way that it would grow to become this like really beloved show. Yep. So I've just been very aware of that as I've been testing out all these new sitcoms and what that reminded me of is a sitcom that has already been canceled. It only lasted two seasons, but I remember loving it so much and um, it being so good right from the start that I've decided to do a rewatch. Um, and that's a show called Single Parents. I loved this show and I haven't watched it since it was canceled. And I was looking for something quick and easy and comforting to watch right now. And I started rewatching it and was kind of blown away by how good it was. Um, I knew I always loved it, but the writing in this show was at the top tier from the very first episode. Um, the casting is so perfect from the group of adults that play a group of single parents that kind of help each other out to all of the kids that are cast as the children of each of these single parents. Um, being just really impressive child stars. Um, <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with this show. I can't believe that it was canceled after two seasons. I'm halfway through season two right now, and I'm dreading it being over. Um, one of our great crimes of television. Did you watch Sing- Single Parents, Lucas? Have we talked about this before? I could have. We have not talked like about Single Parents. Airing. I hadn't even heard of Single Parents. So what? as as you were talking, I was looking it up. This actually seems really, really fun. <laughs> okay. You would love this. I think it's so okay. up in your sense of humor and up your alley. Um, yep. It is created by Elizabeth Merriweather, who is the creator and showrunner of New Girl. And she's just really really good at sitcoms she's yeah she has the formula down she has the talent um new girl i think is a sitcom that people our age are pretty obsessed with um mm-hmm. there I, I see new girl clips on tiktok constantly even though the show has been done for quite a while um and she really like in my opinion, hit a home run with single parents. And I have no idea how this show wasn't a hit. Um, it stars Leighton Meester, who I think is a really talented actress that, you know, was a star on gossip girl and her has definitely had like a steady career, but to, in my opinion, should be a much, much bigger star because I think she's so, so talented and funny. Um, and then it also stars, Taryn Killam, who this was, I think, his first big sitcom after being on SNL for so long. And he's so good in this. Um, I, I can't get enough of this show. Um, it's, it, 
the perfect like group comedy mixed with a family sitcom. So yeah, if you haven't seen Single Parents and you're want- wanting to watch something that's like two seasons long and quality all the way throughout, you should you should definitely give it a try. Yeah, that sounds perfect. I will absolutely check that out. Um, again, and I can't stress enough the fact that it's a network sitcom and yeah. it's that 22, <laughs> 23 minute length. Oh, yes. Mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm glad that we're both feeling some really great stuff this week. But what I want us to now move on to is a movie that I have been itching to see um, since the holidays when it was supposed to come out in December. Um, it's gotten pushed and it's gotten pushed. Finally, Cyrano has been released and I'm ready to talk about it. I've been wanting to talk about this movie for a very long time (laughs) as well. I'm so annoyed that it got pushed out of the December. Like this, again, we're going to get to it, but this is a Christmas movie for sure. Like, I mean, honestly, it's a Valentine's Day movie, but in reality, this is a Christmas movie that you bring your family to and everybody has a blast at the theaters. So before we start talking about our opinion of of the movie, um, I want us to chat pretty quickly about... Our relationship with Joe Wright, the director. Um, how how what do you how would you describe your relationship with Joe Wright and his films? We're married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a it is a is a long and loving relationship for <laughs> right. sure. Um, no, I'm a huge fan of Joe Wright. I love every movie he's done, even the bad ones. Okay. <laughs> um, I think he's so interesting of a like he's an interesting filmmaker who loves loves. great visual shots so even the movies that um i think would be probably lower tier joe wright movies have beautiful cinematography and just interesting i think character moments that are not in the script just only displayed um because of how he's shooting it and i think we'll get into cyrano and how that that comes into it but i just like i i am excited every time i hear about joe wright (laughs) yeah so how about you Joe Wright holds a pretty special place in my heart. Um, We've talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was in college, I had this foolish mindset where I thought I hated period pieces. (laughs) I, I thought that like that as a genre, I did not like movies that were like set in, you know, a long time ago, specifically in like Europe, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Joe Wright is the director that made me realize that is absolutely not the case. Um, <laughs> he showed me what a good period piece looks like, and now I tr- I adore them. Uh, those movies, those period pieces that he made that I think are so miraculous and beautiful um, are some of my favorite movies of all time. Um, he has four movies in particular that I remember seeing back to back to back, like, and every time I'd be like, Joe Wright never misses. Like, he's such an amazing director. <laughs> so he there's Pride and Prejudice, which is yep. one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I watch it at least once a year. I light a candle when I watch it. It is a very, very special movie to me. Um, he made Atonement, which I think is really beautiful. He made Hannah, yep. which is thrilling. And then oh, you're made... skipping over the soloist, huh? Oh, I didn't see the soloist. <laughs> um, and then he made Anna Karenina, which 
I think is just so stunning. Like that is a movie that is trying so many new things and like really going for it. Agreed. Um, That was the one of the ones that I thought of that I think is like one of his lesser movies, but is truly just amazing. Yeah. So, so I loved all four of those, particularly Pride and Prejudice. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Pride and Prejudice is like a perfect film. And then all of his movies after that, I haven't seen because the buzz around them has been so negative <laughs> that I just couldn't bring myself to. Yeah. Um, Pan is bad. Pan is a bad movie. Um, Pan. Hugh Jackman is amazing in it. Rooney Mara is amazing in it. It is such an interesting concept, and he's doing so many cool things as a director, but that story is just trash. Yeah. Next was The Darkest Hour, just Darkest Hour. Um, which, which made my top 10 list of that year. Right. And I d- abstained from yep. seeing it. <laughs> yep. After that was The Woman in the Window. Which is a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. that, I read the Wikipedia plot summary for that movie. Oh, man. Sounds I read bad. the book. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the book? The book is also bad. <laughs> oh, okay. So. Well, there you go. Was yeah, Woman in the Window yeah. interesting, at least? Because when you were saying movies that are bad, but at least, like, yes. you like what he does with them, was that – did you feel that way about Woman in the Window? I thought it was extremely interesting. And I think it it feels like a movie that has been cut up a lot. Um, and from what I hear, the studio took the movie away from Joe Wright um, and did some re-edits and stuff like that. Mm. So I would love to see his version of it. But even just the way it's shot, it's all shot within kind of, well, on a sound stage, but basically in a one setting in a house. Um, and I just think he does so many cool things with that, um, the, you know, the limited capacity that you <laughs> you have there. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll be giving that one a chance either. I mean, I wouldn't, no. Um, So all that to say, when I saw that Cyrano was coming out, and I I heard about the buzz about Cyrano, and then I saw the trailer, part of, a a big part of me was like, he's back, right? He's doing a period piece, he's trying on a musical, um, it's a, a big, a grand romance, which I think he does romance really well, um, Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I can't wait to fall into a lush Joe Wright movie. Um, So all that to say, I was really anticipating this. Now that we've both seen it, how do you feel about this movie, Lucas? I think it's fantastic. I really like this movie a lot. I watched it um, for the first time a couple months ago at this point. Um, And I got out of it and I was like, this is good. I like this. (laughs) Um, But I watched it again today. Um... And it's so good. I think one of the things that is that I that really struck me, especially the second time, um, is the music itself and how well the music is integrated into um, the visuals. I think sometimes one of the things that you get in musicals is you have the director making a movie and then they stop for a song and that can happen in a bunch of different ways but a lot of times there is like the drama way of shooting things and then there is the musical way of shooting things and they go back and forth between that i think joe wright does a really good job of integrating both of those so a lot of the visuals that you get um are things that you can't see on stage are things that um um, are close-ups and stuff like that of dancers um kind of moving in these these places and so it's not a stop it's not a stop. We're going to do a whole musical m- number with dancing and stuff, but dancing is happening throughout the choreography in this, I think is just absolutely beautiful. Um, and 
I want to talk specifically about like some specific songs later, but I just think this kind of music and this story um, are so conflicting that it works really well. Like it's a it's a uh, sweet sweet and salty kind of mix that mm-hmm. you're just like, oh wow, this is uh, this is unique and fun. I love it. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because I feel like a lot of times. Uh, you are a little bit more critical of movies than I am. Like you, <laughs> I, I kind of like, if you look at our letterbox, I'll give a, I give a lot of things like a four, four and a half. And you're, you're, you're staying in the three and a half range. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you know? um, so I'm really excited that you're, you really like this movie because in this instance, I'm a little bit more mixed about it. Um, okay. I'm not, I don't think it's bad. I'm not mad at the movie, but there was a lot while I was watching it where I was like, I, I just don't know how I feel about it. Certain elements I found very thrilling. So mm-hmm. I'll start saying things that I loved about this movie. Um, one thing you mentioned is the choreography. This, the choreography in this film, I think is the best thing it has going for it. Um, it's truly incredible (laughs) yeah joe writes like visual style and camera work and like his indulgence and like beautiful scenic shots mixed Mm -hmm. with this choreography is a amazing combination um i do love dance in movies we talked about that a lot when we talked about in the heights and how i love john chu as a director of dance sequences he in his step mm-hmm. up movies and in the heights and so it was thrilling to see someone like joe wright who i've seen make movies that are that look like paintings film dance um mm-hmm. it, i it was i was so excited about all of that some of the performances in this movie i think worked so beautifully um i think peter dinklage is like an incredible actor Every yes. moment, every expression on his face, I was like entranced by. Um, some other performances in this movie that I think are really special. Um, I every time I see him in anything, I am always so obsessed with um, Bashir Salahuddin. Um, he played Cyrano's like best friend in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Every time I, I he every time I see him pop up in something, I always my eyes always go to him. I think he's so charming and charismatic, um, and so like seeing him in this movie, I was like, oh, I love that guy, and I love every scene that he's in in this movie. Um, and then also, Kelvin Harrison Jr. plays Christian, and I think this is the first time I've ever seen him in anything. And his, oh, really? Yeah, as far as I know. Um, oh no, he was in. Trial of Chicago 7. I've seen that. Oh, no. I've seen him in other stuff. I just didn't recognize him. Okay. Yeah. No, I've definitely seen him in other things. Um, But I'm looking at his um, IMDb right now. Anyway, he was so good. I was like, wow, this guy, especially when he sang. um, Yeah. His singing moments were my favorite musical moments in the whole movie. Um, So certain performances really, I think, worked. But there is stuff in this movie that was hard for me to swallow. Um, (laughs) And and I I hate to be like a a hater, but it was really two main things. And that was um, Peter Dinklage's singing did not work for me. Mm -hmm. 
every moment I would, I would start to get swept up in a number and then he would start to sing and I would immediately be like taken out of the moment. Um, it, that it's so tough because like everything else about his performance is so beautiful and this, and other actors in this show have these beautiful singing voices and his voice just really stood out as just not there. How did you feel about his singing voice? I agree with you there. I think um, it didn't it didn't bother me. I think mostly because his songs are pretty basic. I would say, and not like in a negative way. Of like, I think they're they're, they're trying to fit his voice and just keep the songs because the songs are written for him. So like, right. they're definitely trying to keep this um, within his range. Um, and honestly, he doesn't have a lot of the big, you know, songs of this movie. Um, and so it, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't love his singing. I, I didn't love it in this movie. Um, but to me, it didn't take away from it. Okay. Um, the other thing that I had a hard time with is I think this movie just really cemented the fact that the national is not for me. Um, <laughs> I just am not yeah. into them musically. Um, mm-hmm. There are certain songs that I think were beautiful and that I loved, and we can get into those specific songs. But for most of the movie, I just kept being like, these lyrics are not doing it for me. This style of talk singing, songwriting, this pacing that he that is constantly used was really just unpleasant for, for me. Um, <laughs> we, we talked about The National a bit. I don't know if it was when we did our Folklore or Evermore episode. Probably Folklore. Yeah. Um, and I, I probably asked you then, but I've forgotten. Are you a fan of the national? I am a fan of the, of the national. I think the thing that I dislike the most about the national is, is Matt, Matt Berninger. Um, his, his lyrics are, um, I won't say very poetic or great. (laughs) Um, and so for, you know, for him to be writing the lyrics for this, I felt you on a lot of that. I was like, this is lackluster lyrically, musically. Aaron and Bryce Dessner are bringing it as far as the the actual songwriting, the composition of the the melodies and stuff like that. Love all of that. I think there are some really good songs here um, that we can talk about in a little bit. But I think for the most part, lyrically, um, I mean, this is just very subpar to the yeah. the musicals that we're used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. There was there was a moment in the movie where I don't remember which character it was, but so Cyrano is a poet, right? He's like this great poet, mm-hmm. and someone else tries to do a poetry. I don't know if it was Christian or the baker or someone, and it sounds very basic. Like Cyrano kind of is scoffing at how basic the the poetry is that this other person has come up with, and then. Throughout the rest of the movie, so many of the lyrics and the songs reminded me of the basic poem. That's the other. <laughs> yeah, and I was yeah. like, you shouldn't have pointed that out because now yeah. I'm hypercritical of all the <laughs> lyrics in these songs. Yeah. Um, I think it, I do think it's interesting because like you have the, like the poetry that he's writing, the, you know, the letters. Um, and then you also have the songs, which are just there's such a contrast there between the quality of the writing of his letters and then the quality of the lyrics of the songs. Well, and so much, I would be fascinated to figure out how that was broken up. Like, because a lot of the letters are sung also. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's like, how much of that is, 
is it Matt Berninger is his name? Um, yeah. How much of that Berninger. is his? Ber- yeah. How much of that is his lyrics? And how much of that is the screenwriter? And where did they work together? You know what I mean? Um, that is yeah. very interesting to me. And I don't think it's something that's like talked about a lot is how a screenwriter or um, uh, the writer of like a, a, the book of a play um, works with the lyricist. And like where do those – how does that relationship work? Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting in this in this situation because the – um, the screenplay is by Erica Schmidt, who is uh, Peter Dinklage's wife, and mm. she wrote and directed this as a play originally with The National, um, and so and then um, starring Haley Bennett. And because Joe Wright is married to Haley Bennett, um, he decided to turn it into I um, a movie. So know that? Oh yes, look at me with the all of the relationship gossip. I know. <laughs> now I did know. That Joe Wright, I don't know if he was married to her or if they just dated. I think they might have been married at one point. Um, was from um, Pride and Prejudice. Um, what's her name? Um, There's so and, many from people Gone in Girl. Rose, oh, Rosemary Pike. Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. I know that they were together um, as a result mm-hmm. of that, like, Pride and Prejudice period. So it's interesting, you know, I mean... Yeah. Not the first time a director has, you know, <laughs> dated an actress, <laughs> married or dated an actress. But I always love knowing when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know anything about this play before it was turned into a musical, Cyrano so, de Bergerac? So that's another thing that I think I was wrestling with when watching this movie is that I knew the premise, of course, of Cyrano de Bergerac. I knew the premise of a. Um, I think in the original it's, you know, he has a large nose, like that's his big, um, (laughs) like characteristic that makes him, you know, unattractive or, or consider, you know, he considers himself unattractive. And so I know that the premise is this character is in love with a girl who he thinks could never love him back. And so she falls in love with a handsome man and he, um, speaks on behalf of the handsome man. Um, and provides a handsome man with these words to help woo the, the love. So I knew that premise. But then when I watched the movie, I realized I didn't actually know what the plot was. I had never seen an adaptation or seen an original you know, v- version of the play. Um, and so I didn't know how kind of a, much of a bummer of a story it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this isn't exactly a feel-good musical. Um, No, it certainly isn't. And I think I was kind of wanting and expecting that. Um, I think the trailer makes it feel like it's a feel-good musical, um, which that's, you know, that's its job. You can't blame it on that. But, um, yeah, I wasn't prepared for that going in. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes makes a lot of sense. How how much had you interacted with this story before seeing it? I hadn't seen the play, but I knew the story, and I'd seen... I'd seen the the Steve Martin version of this story, uh, the movie Roxanne <laughs> from like 1987. To, I've always meant to watch that. Is that good? It's not. It's okay. not good. <laughs> um, I think this is a better version of that. Um, but I, but I so but because of that, I knew, I knew like what the outline was, so I knew where we were going with it. 
Yeah. Um, I think this is a more interesting take on it with Peter Dinklage. Um, so as opposed to just having a, you know, a large nose, um, somebody with dwarfism, I think really takes it to a different level of being able to, I think, invest in something that's not just silly, you know, but something that, um, is actually, you know, sensitive and meaningful to people. So I, I, I really enjoyed that take on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, also, like I said earlier, Peter Dinklage is so good. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like, not only is he just a great actor, which he is like, you know, that is a skill that, you know, is so impressive that he has. But in addition to that, he's so charming. Like it is, he's yeah. beyond charming. And so I am always excited whenever I get a romance with someone that has that natural, like, blinding charm that we don't always get to see do romances um whenever we get that like new blood whenever um i think of the first thing that's coming to my mind is in train wreck when bill Hader got to play like the love interest yeah it was so exciting be like yes of course i'm so interested in bill Hader playing a love interest um i get very as someone who loves romances and rom-coms um, I think a charming male lead is actually a lot harder to find than it should be. Um, there's a lot of stale, hot <laughs> male actors out there that like act yes. in these movies. And so whenever you get someone with like this beautiful energy, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, I will also say I love anything where Ben Mendelsohn shows up in it. So totally. I think he as um, – what is it? The Count? I forget who he is. Um, Duke. I just he's thought he was, he's fantastic in this. Yeah, yeah. the Duke. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's always truly great. great. Um, I don't know if this is should be in spoilers territory or not. You can tell me. But how did you feel about his musical number, though? Oh, not good. Not no. good. It's pretty <laughs> bad. And I, I don't even, I'm not blaming that on him either. Like, no, yeah. It, it, in a situation like this, it's very difficult to tell who's at fault, whether it's right. <laughs> the national or <laughs> but like, or him. Know, there was a lot of song. Uh, there was a lot of songs in this movie where I was kind of like, I don't think this is bad. I'm just not into it, right? And then we mm-hmm. hit the villain song, and I was like, yeah. Yikes! That's yeah. That's bad. This is where yeah. I know it's bad. See, I was I was iffy on it. Um, until we got to pretty early on the Baker, once we got to the Baker and you got to see, um, him writing poetry and the choreography of them dancing in the bakery and all of the, um, just kind of the beauty of the, the dough and them dancing together while they were kneading it. Like all of the choreography there, I was like, I'm going to like this movie no matter how bad the songs are from here on out. So, um, but I do, I like, I I do want to talk about the songs that I thought were absolutely fantastic. um, But I want to wait till we get to spoilers for some of that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much ready. The the last thing I would say before we get to spoilers is another thing that I really did love is the styling in this movie. Um, I think period piece styling is really interesting, right? There's so many different ways you can do it. You can lean into the glamour. You can lean into, like, the crudity of it because it happened so long ago. Um, And I think this movie does a great blend of the two. Like, it's not afraid to be beautiful, which I want my period pieces to be. But there were certain scenes, like, especially 
with the makeup where yep. it was like, oh, they're not afraid to like look, embrace how kind of gross and gruesome this time period was. Yeah. I think something that Joe Wright is always interested in is class. Yeah. Um, and I think that in this movie, which class isn't really a huge part of the story, but it's, I think, leaned on very hard in this movie, yeah. um, which I think only makes it better. <laughs> I think totally. I think you you just see a lot of that more in the visuals and in the the kind of the gaudiness of the makeup and the kind of dinginess of of you know how how people are living their lives um, in a really beautiful way. Uh, yeah, there's so many shots that I want to like. I want to go back and watch this movie not because I want to experience this story, but because I do want to analyze all those visual choices. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm ready to talk spoilers if you are. Okay, let's do it. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Plot, plot spoilers or song spoilers? Let's start with song, because I think that's what we're most excited to talk about. Okay, yeah. Um, I want to say, someone to say... It's basically the first, one of the first songs. Um, Haley Bennett sings it, and then um, Christian ooh, has his like name? his re- yes, his of it, right? phrase. Yeah. I give anything for someone to say. All the words I don't have in life can put together. I give anything. For I I think that's a just a banger <laughs> it's real that good is an amazing song uh, when yeah when the musical started with that i was so on mm-hmm. board i thought he's yeah. done it i'm gonna love this movie and mm-hmm. then that's i think that's the then the i feel like the second song is the christian version in the mu- musical like that i don't know if there's anything in between the two um, so peter dinklage does some of his like oh yeah theater speech singing stuff um, oh, there's also, this isn't really a song, but kind of like the rap battle that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. mad at that, but I was, you know, kind of confused by it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So what is the song called again? Someone to say. Someone to say. Gorgeous. I, yeah. Melody. I, I've been singing it to myself ever since I saw the movie. Beautiful number. I, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't lo- love it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, another song that I thought was really good was, um, I think it's, I need more. I need more is the song that Haley Bennett sings, um, right. as she's kind of getting letters. I need more. I need more. I need waves of desire to come over me. Teardrops on the floor. And I really liked that. I think she's a fantastic singer and, just letting her belt this this felt like not the national writing this you know like it felt like a like this is a big musical number which was great yeah that was one where it's like i was really wanting to like it the lyrics didn't do enough for me but <laughs> the vibe of the song i loved and like her i really was in, i was into her performance and like how it started off in that salon full of women and mm-hmm. it was i was it was close i was close to liking that song yep. again I am I I am lyrics more than anything else. Um, I'm more than anything else. I'm a lyrics person, and it's true. It's true. The lyrics in this musical were not grabbing at me, um, except in that opening number. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I will say the best song in this entire musical is probably a song you didn't like, but it's Whenever I Fall. Tell him not to cry. This song is truly amazing. I absolutely love it. I have played this song more than any song on the soundtrack. I have learned it on the guitar. It's so great. When the song started, mm-hmm. and it was... And you have Glenn Hansard. You have Glenn Hansard, who I didn't recognize at first, but I knew oh. he was a singer. I knew he was a musician. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew I I knew I knew I knew I had seen him before, but I didn't know it was Glenn Hansard at first. I mean, he's gotten old. Yeah, and at first, but I was like, "That's not the National." I was like, I was <laughs> "No, like, yeah." This feels like where you would put him in, you know? But right, like, but exactly. <laughs> but it, I'm, but I also feel like this is a musician I know. Um, it, but it was very nice to see him again. Um, yeah. So when it first started, his lyrics again were very much like national songs that i've heard that i've been like not into and i i was ready tonight not like that song and then as it progressed i thought it was so gorgeous i was yeah i mean it's beautiful and moving and tragic and oh that that number i think is probably the most impactful number in the whole movie definitely and and I and I do think lyrically the best. It's the it's lyrically yeah. the best out of the, all the songs on this soundtrack in yeah, my mind. I agree. Um, lyrically, I think it's beautiful. Also, visually in that number, mm-hmm. I think it's so powerful. There's a shot where it where they're all kind of marching in formation, and a young man gets shot, and immediately an even younger man rushes to fill that spot. And that was like hit me so hard. Again, yeah. it was beautiful and emotional, but again, also not what I expected from this movie. I did not <laughs> know that there was war in it. I didn't know that there was all this death. So I wasn't prepared. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. Um, it, I do think that's something that is surprising from a musical like this. Like, we don't get a lot of depressing musicals unless you would you call west side story a depressing musical no because it although it ends in tragedy the rest of the musical is not depressing it's like very much full of life um i would say les mis is a depressing musical Mm, yes (laughs) yeah that's a good i I definitely think that's a good connection point to this one um that was not made prior in the marketing for yeah. obvious reasons, but <laughs> sorry, what are the obvious so reasons? I, I, what am I missing an obvious reason? Oh, cause they want people to watch it. <laughs> oh, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I was, th- I thought you were implying there was some like connection to lay Miz that was bad. Like, <laughs> Oh like, no, 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 of course. Right. Yeah. You don't want to sell, yeah. you don't want to sell people on like, come see this tragedy. It's you're going right. to be bummed at the end. Right. right. Instead they said, come see this love story. And people Day. were shocked how it yeah. ended. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do think, um, I lost it. What was I going to say? Oh, I, I do think I would love to hear your thoughts on this movie, watching it a second time. Yeah. Um, cause I, my love for it grew 
a lot watching it a second time when I knew what I was getting into when I kind of could just dig into the visuals and um, a lot of that choreography. It's truly incredible. I mean, the choreography, there are three choreography scenes that really come to mind. Um, there's the opening number, which one thing I did, what I thought the musical was going to have more of, and that I was really liking, and that could maybe have made me like Peter Dinklage's singing a little bit more, is I felt like the opening number was such a mixture of this big ensemble of voices, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just all the most perfect musical theater voices. It's people of all different ages um, that have, like, pretty to normal singing voices but the song is so good that it is really heartwarming to hear that mixture of voices i really liked that and i think the choreography in that like big crowd all getting together and singing that together was cool then the choreography at the bakery is beautiful i mean just so loved it i could watch that as its own little short film like so great yeah then the choreography with the armed guard when Christian sings the song, um, mm-hmm. yeah, is uh, to have all those dancers like doing amazing things that I can never do with my body in those like beautiful stark uniforms. Um, and then also that was the first time I feel like we got these like aerial shots of choreography. I was like, this is Joe Wright being Joe Wright. And this is why I love him. I also think he does a really good job of um, integrating a lot of the diegetic sounds Mm -hmm. into it. So like, it's not just the music playing. You can hear people just walking and moving as they're dancing. Like you hear their clothes swish. And like a lot of that stuff, I just think like really elevates a song. (laughs) So it's great. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything other the the problem is those are the only three songs. Well, th- yeah, those two songs, the the original, uh, the opening number and the reprise, and then the um the the soldier song. I, I can't remember the names of any of these songs. Um, I'm trying to pull up like a <laughs> album list, but I'm having a hard time. Um, yeah. So it was like the soldier song is what I keep calling it. Those- I mean, the soldier song is the reprise for oh the whenever I fall. You're talking right, about that soldier that's what song. I meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Whenever I fall, or where is it? Wherever yeah. I fall. When? Where wherever I fall. Wherever. You're right. Yeah. Um, those are the three numbers that have stayed with me, and I know other numbers happen. Couldn't tell you anything about them because I yeah. was pretty <laughs> checked out during the rest of them. <laughs> okay. I, the, well, the one, the one other thing I do remember is the number the song where. Cyrano and Roxanne are singing together on the balcony. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember like not being invested in the lyrics, but being invested in the emotion of that scene. Um, Agreed. And so that I would consider a win as well. Yeah. I think that's a really good scene in the movie um, with a song that I am not a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, I'd love for us to talk a little bit more about like the plot and the story. Um, okay. And so again, I, I'm, I don't have any familiarity really with the source material. So this might just be me being critical of the source material as well as the script <laughs> for this movie. 
Um, I, I had a hard time getting invested in this romance. Um, because ultimately, I think a, a one-sided romance is really tough for me. And even though I understand the premise that she was falling in love with his words, right? Um, it doesn't ever feel like I got to see that love on her end f- truly reciprocated. Um, even in that final scene that I think is supposed to be that catharsis, mm-hmm. that fi- it didn't really work for me. Um, how do you feel about like this romance in this story? Um, I think I'm someone who is who very much likes one-sided romance. <laughs> so, so I think, yeah, so I think it definitely works for me. I think you're a hundred percent right though, that like getting to see her actually falling in love with him, um, or kind of the, the outcome of that at the end, I think would have really elevated it. And I think helped it a lot. Um, but I think you're right. That's what that was supposed to be at the end. I don't think it landed the way that we probably wanted it to. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm so primed to be into this as a story because I do have an affinity for these love stories where, um, someone doesn't realize the person that they're writing to, who the person they're writing to is like, you've got mail is my favorite movie of all time. Um, (laughs) the, the, movie that you've got mail was based on shop around the corner is the same premise um yeah there's plenty of but i I do think those are two handers where those are the main characters where in this this is cyrano's story totally (laughs) and she is kind of the object here here's the thing that i think that this movie or this story could have taken from those others is i think it can still be cyrano's story but at one point in in both of those, let's we'll take you know, um, shop around the corner for instance. Um, for like a, a large portion of the movie, the male lead knows that he's the one writing these letters, and the female lead is still in the dark, right? So that mm-hmm. is very similar to this, you know, setup. Yeah. And what makes those endings so special? is that the female lead is in love with the person who's writing her this letters, but then she's also starting to have feelings for this person that she knows in real life. And then the overwhelming joy at the end is that she finds out that they're one and the same, right? Yeah. And I do think that this movie could have used a pinch of that. Um, I think it could have used a moment or two where we saw Roxanne... um, have something more than friendly affection for this man that, you know, who has been writing her these letters. And then at the end when she realized, then when, when at the end of the movie, when she like has this realization and she admits her love for him, I didn't find that quite believable. It felt a little, Mm -hmm. it felt rushed and false. And it could have just used a, a, like, not a lot. I'm not saying it had to be like, peppered throughout the whole film even just one good moment um would have done so much for that ending i think you're right i think you hit the nail right on the head that that is what it's missing um because i felt the same thing as that like her ending um declaration of love felt uh light on the love <laughs> yeah. it's like oh did you just now just now decide you love him like it, right. it, it, just because you found out he wrote the letters so yeah <laughs> right um also, I mean, this might be pretty shallow of me, 
But can't wait. I found that ending scene where they finally kiss very to be very uncomfortable because he he was so sickly and like yeah. <laughs> dying. You know, like just laying on the ground dying. Yeah. That and she looks the exact same age face-wise that she has the entire movie and his yeah. face is so visibly aged, right? Like Yeah. Even though it's yeah. only 3 years later, it like he looks like he's aged 10 years. Um yeah. and so that like dissonance was a little like uh, I wasn't feeling it was a little disturbing and then mm-hmm. he had like green his fingers were like green. Um it just like seeing two people make out in under those circumstances yeah. was not the Very grand romantic moment looking. I was hoping yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> and it just took me out of it. I couldn't like yeah. be swept away in the moment because I was like, oh, mm-hmm. he looks he looks bad. He looks real bad. <laughs> and she looks yeah. exactly the same and healthy. It'd be one thing if she had looked also aged a little bit and <laughs> I don't know. It, it was it was rough. That is hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah. And also just like Peter Dinklage is so handsome. It's just like such a shame that like she didn't get to kiss handsome Peter Dinklage, you know, like (laughs) Roxanne, I mean, not the actress. I mean, like Roxanne, the character didn't get to kiss him in his prime. Like, yeah, like like, he's coughing and like gross and yeah, very sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really unfortunate. Um, oh man! <laughs> yeah, and then like, and then the movie's over, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for, you know, West Side Story. I was prepared for a tragic ending, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like it builds to that. This felt very abrupt. I mean, even though the war was hard, you still kind of hold out hope. Like, okay, we've made it through the tragedy. Like, now we're gonna get to the happy ending. And it doesn't ever really come. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think not what most people signed up for <laughs> coming yeah. into this movie. So. I'm glad I saw it, though. I'm glad well, that I, you know, I'd rather a movie that I have like a lot of interesting thoughts about than a movie that just was boring and bad for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm always going to be interested in whatever Joe Wright does next. Yeah, maybe you'll watch Pan. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. No, I no. have. When is the last time you saw Hannah? Oh, quite a while ago. I think I've only yeah. ever seen it once. I'm going to do a rewatch of Hannah. I just read this, reread the script, and the script is amazing. It's very, very good, and I it made me want to rewatch the movie. So I mean, I'm gonna have to do that. The the problem is, is that I literally always want to rewatch Pride and Prejudice. Like, yeah, any night of the week, you could suggest it, and I would watch it. Um, <laughs> Like it's, it's, it's a thing that I have to remind myself, like when I'm, you know, with friends, be like, not everyone wants to watch this movie as much as you do. So you can't always recommend it as like the thing we watch. So the problem is I probably will spend most of, if I, if I'm ever going to be like, let's watch a Joe Wright movie. It's that's what it's going to (laughs) be. Is there anything else you want to say about Cyrano before we head out? I don't think so. Um, watch Cyrano, watch Joe Wright's other movies. He's a great filmmaker who does really great stuff. So I'm very ready for these scenes to get onto YouTube so that I can watch specific scenes over again. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. That's how I will be consuming Cyrano in the future. 
Um, Good. Lucas, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff, um, including mostly on Letterboxd these days. I'm logging a lot of stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 